How amazing is it that even in the midst of all of the uh, turbulence and struggle that we face, uh, we still have the privilege and opportunity to worship a holy God. And uh, he knows the beginning from the end. And our trust is not in us. Our trust is not in horses and chariots, as the psalmist said. Our, our trust is in the Lord, and we rejoice in that. Well, a happy new year to you. I trust that you had a great Christmas time. Not probably like you thought it was going to be, but uh, you were rejoicing in the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and now we've moved into a new year. Um, Again, not like we thought, not like we had planned, but um, God is at work, and we just are so thankful for the way he is working. I, I want to take a moment at the beginning of this message to thank uh, the tech team um, uh, and, the, uh, and the worship team. Um, these folks have already been here for a few hours today uh, preparing for the services, and I'm just so thankful for them and their willingness to come and serve us and serve you, the church, as you uh, watch from home. And I, I trust that you will be engaged and focused. Don't get distracted by the things in your living room. Um, wait for us to finish before you get the next cup of coffee, and let's worship together as the church. And as we look into God's Word, uh, let's be focused on what God has to say to us um, today. So uh, get your Bibles out and open them up to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1. I, I want to take a look uh, this week at some family foundations as we uh, think about how we do life together in our families. What what does that look like? And, and then next week, I'm going to take a look at some personal foundations, some things for our own personal lives. Now, uh, maybe you're single or... Um, you don't have any kids or you're not part of a family unit. You're Maybe you're here, you're a student, or you're watching, and you're like, well, what, what do I need to hear from a family's foundations message? Um, I would just say this. Each one of the things we're going to take a look at has a personal application for all of us. We're just going to see them today, how they applied in a family situation. Um, Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 9 says, if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. If you're not firm in your faith, you won't be firm at all. And during trying times, during struggling times like we are in right now, it's important that we keep our faith in focus. We remember the one who is in control and we trust him. Only a holy God is what we just learned about. And our eyes aren't fixed on what happens today and tomorrow. Our eyes are fixed as we learned last week as Toby was preaching on what is to come and the great hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And so my challenge for us, especially especially this week and next week, is that we would have our eyes fixed on our faith and the one who is the hope of our faith, uh, Jesus Christ. So today we want to take a look at that in the context of the family, of the family. I remember the day we dropped our son Carl off for college. It wasn't even very far from home. And, uh, but I remember going home that night and Sue and I laying in bed and just weeping, um, Mostly Sue, because she's way more sensitive to these things than I am. But like our, our little boy was gone. Our little boy had he'd been gone for the summer. He'd worked at camps. He'd done this. But somehow that move to college, that leaving home that time was the end of a journey for us. And uh, we love our son. We love our daughter. We love our family. But, but that was a turning point for us and made me think about the impact that we had had and some of the things that we had done. And, you know, for all of us, if you have kids, maybe your kids are really small. You have like 16, 17 years, and, and then they're going to pack up 
and they're going off to Waterloo or they're going off to a university in Toronto or they're going off somewhere and, um, and you'll wonder how well you did. And you'll wonder, did it turn out okay? Um, and um, so what I want to do today is take a look from 1 Samuel 1 at some things, some principles that I hope will help you and even help us as a church as what are some of the responsibilities we have as we seek to raise our kids, seek to see them come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and grow up in him at the beginning of this new year. It's, it's time when we do new starts. It's a time when we make all kinds of promises like, hey, how about this one? I'm going to, I'm going to focus on my family in a way that will honor the Lord Jesus Christ. So our text is 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'm going to look through a big chunk of this today, but I want to read for you verses 21 to 28. The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up for she said to her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her along with Um, a three-year-old bull and an ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh, and the child was young. And then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And he said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman uh, who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can hold it in our hands. We thank you that we can learn some lessons this morning uh, from uh, these two dear people who loved you and went through significant trial. And, and yet, Father, they trusted you and you worked in them and through them. Lord, I pray that you would uh, guide our time in the word today. Give us ears to listen carefully to your word, to understand it then, Lord, but to apply it in our lives. If, if there's some things that you need to reveal to us, things we need to change, things we need to do differently so that we honor you in our families. I pray, God, you'd give us the courage and the boldness and the faith to do those things, to honor Jesus Christ, our Savior. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, Kenna and Hannah had wanted to have children together, the two of them, and were not uh, able to do that. It hadn't happened for them. Um, And they go through what we're going to see in this text, a whole series of things that will help us because they're going to go through difficulties, just like we are going through difficulties, whether it's the difficulties that you're facing in your family. Maybe you're feeling like you've been locked up and it's just a big difficulty for you. Um, uh, Maybe it's fear about the virus. Maybe it's, I don't know what your difficulty is. Maybe it's in the workplace. Maybe it's the kids not going back to school, whatever it is. And it's got anxiety building up in you. And hey, they were going through things in their life and they needed a God who could take care of them and lead them and carry them through out the other side. And so we want to see that today. Um, 
I do want you to see a couple of things that I thought were a little bit humorous in this text before we actually get into it. Uh, This lady who couldn't have a child, in verse 8, her husband says, And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? And I'm not more than to you than 10 sons? That was one of those uh, Captain Obvious statements that's like, yeah, no, you're not. Um, You know, I I realize he's trying to say how much he loves her and how much he cares for her, but um, really what it did was it drove her to prayer. And I know I've said some pretty crazy things in my life to my wife, but um, am I not more like than 10 sons? Yeah, no, you're not. I want a son. Um, some of you have struggled through that and that's been your journey and maybe God has provided for you or, or maybe he hasn't and he's just given you the courage and the strength to move forward in what his will is for your life. Um, and so we, we trust that the Lord will work through this text. Um, notice what the last words of verse two are, but Hannah had no children. Eventually they get a son and, uh, and they give him to the Lord. And so what were the traits? What were the things that we see in this text that marked their lives? What were the things that, that they did that we can do in our lives? And I found seven of them. Um, there are probably more, depending on how you want to break it out. But I found seven things that you should be doing in your family, seven family foundations to help you. As I said before, if, if you're not married, um, th- these seven principles apply to you as well. You'll just apply them a little bit differently. But here's the first thing. The first thing that they did was they worshiped. It says they worshiped. Look at verse three. Um, now this man used to go up year by year from the city to worship and to sacrifice the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli and Hophni, excuse me, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas were priests of the Lord. Um, before I get into this worship piece and into this point, I do want you to notice something because I don't want to dodge anything in the text. It's all there. It's all God's word. Um, uh, this man had two wives. And so some people are like, well, are you going to deal with that? Or are you just going to dodge that? No, no, we're going to talk about it. Um, if you look in the Old Testament, what I love about God's word is it just kind of lays things out as they are. But whenever you look in scripture and you see people with multiple wives, it, it, it's never painted in a really good way. It's always point painted in the negative. And so this was a reality of the time. Because it's written in Scripture doesn't mean that God wanted it that way. It was not what God wanted, but he allowed it. Um, it created more problems for them, even in their own marriage, that there was more than one woman here. Um, but the, the Scriptures in the New Testament are very clear about these things. And so... Um, We're not going to spend any time on that. That's not the purpose of the message today. But I don't want to dodge that because you'll read it and you'll go, why didn't he talk about that? Um, That's for another day. Uh, So here's the first thing. They worshiped. They worship even when it's unpopular. That's what I wrote as my application for that. But they worshiped. They went up to worship. Worship comes out of a relationship. It comes out of knowing this God. It it comes out of uh, being in relationship with the one who created us. And so they went up to worship him. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. Their desire was to come before him and to worship him because they were in relationship with him. 
Now, they didn't have the understanding of Jesus Christ coming. They didn't have the story like we have it now. They didn't understand the end and how Christ would come. And as we've seen in Christmas and how uh, Christ would live a life that was exemplary to be the spotless lamb so that he could be our sacrifice. They, they didn't understand that he would die on a cross and he would rise again and he would go and is making intercession before God for us. He didn't, they didn't understand any of that, but they, they still worshiped because they had relationship with God. Uh, Do you have a relationship with God? Do you know the Savior, Jesus Christ? Have you come to the place of putting your hope and trust in him? Um, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved I admit my sin. I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I confess him. I am saved. So these two would go up to worship. They go up to worship because they had a relationship with God. Um, and, and that was a priority for them. So is that a priority in your family? Even as you've uh, come before in front of your computer screen or your tablet or you're looking at your iPhone, however, however you are engaged in this service today, did you come with a, okay, it's time, I guess we got to do church? Or did you come to worship? Did you prepare the table for worship? Did you prepare your kids for, for worship? Um, says that's what they did. Um, they went up to the city to, to worship. We need to lead by example. I need to lead by example in my personal time, my personal time with the Lord, our, our family time. Um, as a mom and dad, before your kids, you need to, you need to let them see you in, in worship or, and hear the stories about your times together in the word or in prayer. They, they need to know that God is the priority in your life and, and you want to worship him. You want to honor him. Um, in corporate time, corporate, we can't be together in this room. It's, it's kind of weird preaching to a room with about five people in it. But we need to worship corporately. And so best we can with the tools we have, amazing tools we have, we can still worship. And so we, we need to make sure that we make this our priority. And they, they, we, we need to lead by example as we do that. We need to do that in every part of our lives. When we're struggling with things at work, when we're struggling with things, with discipline, with our kids, do, do, we, do we make worship the first priority? Do we make God the focus about what we do? Prioritizing personal and family and corporate and seeing God where you go and in what you're doing and pointing that out to your kids. Sue and I uh, were out on the road a little bit this past week and it was gorgeous. It was just gorgeous to see where the snow had fallen and, and just how beautiful God's creation was and, and to worship him. I, I opened the window, of where, the window of where we were and, and took a picture out because it was just so beautiful and seeing God in his creation and seeing God in his word and seeing God in his son. They, they had a priority that they went up and they worshiped, but we need to do that even when it's unpopular. And it is unpopular to worship God in our society today. Um, sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it feels dry. Sometimes we're in circumstances that are hard. But regardless of those things, I will worship. I will worship. Because God who has been faithful is faithful and will be faithful and has something amazing for us that is coming. The first thing they did was 
they worshiped in your in your family is that is that a priority is that a focus as you launch into a new year maybe you need to turn some things over and do some things a little bit differently to make that the priority we're not going to be coming together as church like this in the room for a while and therefore we need to make our worship a high priority here's here's the second thing the sacrifice it says to worship and to sacrifice in verse 3 um, David said in Psalm 51, 16, and 17, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God, now listen to this, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Now so often, the externals are what we go after. If I just do the right things, if I just put it on the right way, it'll be okay. Hey, the sacrifices of God really come from our heart. And uh, they went up to worship and to sacrifice. Yes, they were going to sacrifice an animal because that was the way they demonstrated their worship and their commitment. That was the way that, that the shedding of blood was a picture of what Christ would do for the forgiveness of sin. And so they were coming with all of that in mind. But if it's not done with a right heart, it doesn't accomplish anything. And so not only did they come to worship, but they came to sacrifice in the New Testament, the famous passage is Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That is holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God desires our sacrifice, even when it hurts, even when it hurts. When I was a teenager, someone pointed out to me that Romans 12, 1 and 2, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Um, we hear that and we think that's a good idea and so we do, but, but the problem is that when it gets hot, quote unquote, when it gets hot, we crawl off of the altar. Yeah, Lord, I'm willing to do it, but when it gets difficult, we crawl off of the altar. Um, some things about sacrifice, it's hot, it hurts, um, it's done with your best. Sacrifice was always giving the unblemished animal, the spotless lamb, as it were. Um, sacrifice, God desires it. As a matter of fact, our sacrifice to God, present your body as a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, the smoke that came off of the sacrifice was a sweet-smelling savor to God. God desires our sacrifice. God desires our yielding of ourselves, our yielding of our rights, our, our giving up of the things that we think are important and present your bodies as a, a living sacrifice. Um, how are we doing that? How are we doing that in our walk? Are we sacrificing our kids at the altar of sports or education or you fill in the blank? Or are we, are we bringing our children as a sacrifice um, to the Lord? We're willing to sacrifice too easily the direction of our kids to the altar of, of worldly things, but are we, are we focused on having them towards the Lord? And, but even more importantly than that, mom and dad today, your sacrifice, your commitment during these trying days, to, to, are we willing to put it on the altar for the Lord, our kids? Um, 
I remember somebody asking Sue and I if we would uh, teach a class one time on how we were successful parents. Our kids were in their teens at that point and they both loved the Lord. And, and the person said, like, you guys have been successful. Would you teach a class on basically a how-to class that your kids will turn, our kids would turn out like your kids did? And I said, are you kidding? If, if you want that class, like I'm a total failure. We've done so many things. It's God's grace. It's by God's work. And he did. And we did some things right. And we strove to honor the Lord and what we did. But it wasn't about what we did. It was about what God did as we gave them to the Lord. Um, these two came to the Lord and they worshiped. They came to the Lord and they were willing to sacrifice They were willing to go against the flow and stand for what was right so that God would be first. God helped me to do that as we continue to pray for our kids. Our our son is long gone out of the house. He has a wife and kids of his own. Our daughter has a husband and kids of their own. But we still have opportunity. We still have opportunity to be an influence and God helping us that we would do that well. Um, All right, here's the third thing. Not only did they worship, not only did they sacrifice, I want you to see the focus on prayer. See the focus on prayer. We have this, we have this dear lady who is struggling, Hannah. She has no children, and she wants children. And um, in verse 9 it says, and, and they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh. Hannah rose now. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. And she continued to pray before the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart only, and her her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Um, So here's the third thing. When we have the foundation of our family, it's going to be built on a foundation of prayer. A foundation of prayer. Uh, Praying, even when your hope is running out. She wanted to have a baby so badly. and, And God hadn't given her that. So what did she do? She didn't, she didn't just mope and complain. She cried out to the Lord. She's crying out to the Lord so much that Eli, the high priest, looks at her and, and, and obviously she's doing it in her spirit, but as her, her lips are moving, he, he thinks she's drunk, but she's just pouring her heart out to the Lord for a thing that she was passionate about. Do you, do you pour out your heart to the Lord for the things that you are passionate about? Do you pour out your heart to the Lord for your children, mom and dad? Do you pour out your heart to the Lord for grandparents, for parents who don't know the Lord, for a neighbor who doesn't know Christ? Even when your hope is running out, she didn't know she was going to have a child. She didn't have that yet. and, and, And yet she poured out her heart and she trusted God um, we need to be people who do that. Um, we need to do that corporately. We need to 
do that um, outside of just our family. We need to do that as a church, and, and we seek to do that. It's trying to figure all that out during this, this round number two of COVID was how do we do corporate prayer as a church? How do we engage the church in doing corporate prayer? It needs to be part of what we do. It needs to be part of what God lays on our heart. But um, we also need to be pouring out our heart and family, um, praying with your children, you should be doing that with your kids every day, some point in the day. And again, it's got to be appropriate to their age and all the rest of that, but, but pouring out your heart, you need to, they need to hear you pray. They need to hear you pray about the things that are appropriate in your life and what you're working through. They need to hear that. They need to, your, your kids need to know that you pray on your own. They need to hear stories of how you prayed and how God answered your prayer. Um, she prayed she poured out her heart. I'm not going to read it right now, but maybe this afternoon, read chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, and uh, you will see Hannah's prayer, another prayer, as she cries out to the Lord and what she cries out for. She, she worshiped God. They worshiped God. They sacrificed to God. They prayed. Here's the next thing. Uh, they surrendered. They surrendered. And verse 11, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. Uh, they were willing to give their son up to what God wanted to do with him. I remember when I was in Bible college, which so for a lot of you would be like, well, that was like many, 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 many years ago. That was a lot of years ago. But you know what the, the greatest hindrance to um, young adults going into ministry was? It was their parents. It was their parents. Um, if I heard it once, I heard it 50 times. Um, don't go to Bible college. You need to go and get a degree first because what are you going to fall back on if this doesn't work out? Like God's not going to take care of you. It's not going to work out for you. And I love her heart in this. It's like, Lord, if you would give me a son, I will give him up to you. If you will give me a child, I will give him up to you. And they did when he was very young. They, they released this child to the Lord. They were surrendered. Uh, a surrender even when the cost seems too great. See, that's where we'll find a foundation in our families when we are willing to come to the place of, I'm going to surrender my kids. I'm going to surrender whatever else it might be, my rights, my opportunities. My, I'm going to surrender those to the Lord because he knows the better thing. He knows the more important, the bigger thing. Um, Genesis 22, we have the story of um, the, the sacrifice of Isaac, or almost sacrifice of Isaac, and says in uh, 22, 7, and Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself a lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together, and they go up the hill and, and uh Abraham is about to kill his son. If you read Hebrews 11, you'll see he believed that God was going to raise his son from the dead. That's how much surrender he had in his life for his, um, to his God. Um, Eli um, is, is watching all of this go on and 
Um, he has two sons. We're going to be able to learn about them in just a moment. And these two sons didn't honor the Lord. They weren't surrendered to the Lord. They weren't walking as they should. And even in the middle of all of this challenge and all of this battle, understanding they were going to surrender Hannah and uh, was going to surrender her son to to this, to Eli and to his sons who were the priests. And these two men were so ungodly, but she had made her promise. She had made her commitment and she was willing to surrender. Am I willing to surrender? Do I surrender in my job? Do I surrender in our home? Do we surrender in our possessions? Do we surrender in the positions that we have? Do we surrender with our stuff? They were willing to surrender even when the cost was great. The cost that they had committed to was to give their son in the service of the Lord. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared for beforehand that we should walk in them. See, a family foundation is a family that is surrendered. Surrendered, first of all, to the lordship of Jesus Christ and to doing his will, but then taking those things down into the practical and allowing God to work in our lives for his glory. Um, Here's another word, the word trust. Trust the word. Trust the word. Um, Look back in 1 Samuel chapter 1 at verse 23. Um, Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you, Wait until you've waned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Um, Only trust in his word. Do what's best for you until you've weaned him. May the Lord establish his word. We hold God's word in our heart. It has been established and we have it and we need to follow it and we need to do it. We need to uh, submit to it. We need to come under it. But, but it always isn't easy. It wasn't easy for her. I'm sure she was going through difficult times. I can't have a baby. I can't have a baby. Why can't I have a baby? All of this pressure on her and the promises of God probably seem very dry to her. And she just wondered and she just wondered and God's gonna come through in a huge way for her. But she didn't understand that. It's just trust the word, trust the word, even when it seems dry. Hey, mom and dad, maybe right now, the word of God, because of the circumstances around us and life isn't working out like we had hoped it would work out, uh, maybe the word seems dry to you. Um, Don't lose the focus on the importance of God's word in your family. If your kids are in front of the screen watching garbage too many hours of the week and and they're not in front of the word of God, it's going to influence them. It's going to be a negative impact them. They need to have the influence of God's word in their life, even when it's difficult. Get a grip on God's word. Read it, meditate, memorize it, study it, teach it. Do it, but don't give up on it. Dry seasons come and dry seasons go. And and remember the days, look back and remember the days when God's word was fresh and God's word was exciting for you. Why isn't it now? If it's because of sin, get that right. Do that right before the Lord, but get into the word. Be about the word in your family. Trust the word. Trust the word even when it seems dry. Do it in front of your kids. Read it. Let them see you read it. Let them see you use it. Let them see how you're seeking to live it out in your life. Trust the word. A couple more. Here's one. 
Discipline. Discipline. Um, I told you I was going to come back to Eli's sons. Eli had uh, two older sons who were the priests. They were Hophni and Phinehas. And uh, if you look down at chapter 2, verses 27 to uh, 29, let me just read a little bit. And there came a man of God to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I indeed reveal myself to the house of your father uh, when they were in Egypt, subject to the Pharaoh? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes? all the tribes of Israel to be my priests, to go up to my altar of incense. And then look at verse 29. Why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded for my dwelling and, and honor your sons above me by fattening ourselves on the choicest parts of every part of my people Israel? So let's understand what's going on here. These two sons were ungodly Men, they were priests and they were living in an ungodly way. And Eli had responsibility for that. He was their father and he hadn't disciplined like he should have. He hadn't followed through like he should have. Um, we need to be people who discipline even when it's hard. Even when it's hard. Um, he was willing to compromise. Eli was willing to compromise um, at the expense of the service of God. You had these ungodly men in the temple who were blatantly living ungodly lives and he didn't do anything about it. Um, He didn't stand for what was right. He didn't stand for what was righteous. Why didn't he do it? I, I don't know why he didn't do it. Maybe he felt overwhelmed by it. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe he didn't think that, um, that if he, that if he disciplined them, they would like him. Um, I've had times like that. I had times with our kids where if I had to do the hard thing, are they going to like me? Are they going to like me? Um, I know this, if I hadn't done the hard things that I don't know where they would have ended up spiritually, but we did the hard things. We did the right things. And as a parent, um, do the right thing. Do the thing that will honor the Lord. Uh, Don't worry about your popularity. Worry about your stand before God. Eli failed miserably with his son in the area of discipline. Now, I will say this. It's easy to criticize other people. Uh, Sue and I were on a trip a few years ago uh, out east, and, and um, we saw this uh, family. They were having some struggles. Mom was having some struggles with the kids. And, um, and she did that thing. I've seen people do it all the time. She said, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to count to three. That was her big discipline plan. I'm going to count to three, and you'd better stop by the time I get there. And she's like, one, two, and the kids are still doing it. And then she had nothing. She had nothing. She, she, if she'd said three, they were going to keep on doing it. It was just, it was sad to watch, but it's also so easy to criticize. I wasn't living in her shoes. I didn't know the circumstances that brought them up to that. But here's what I know. You have to discipline. You have, God disciplines us and he does it for our good. Look at Hebrews 12, 7 to 11 says, it is for discipline that you have to endure God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which we all participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for good that we may share his holiness. 
For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Parents, if we're going to have a firm foundation, if we're going to have a, a foundation that honors the Lord, it's with our children, it has to have a filling of discipline in it. We have to do the right things with love and with truth. It needs to be balanced, but we need to do the right thing. Parents that are all lovey-dovey about their kids and don't bring the truth, that's just hypocrisy. It's just not, you're not, you're not bringing the, I, I don't want you to feel bad. I don't want you to be mad at me. I don't want to get hurt. There's too much I in those statements. I don't want this. And therefore, you know, pretending that it's love, I'm not going to do what I need to do. Um, there needs to be a balance. People who just bring truth, truth, bam, 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 all the time with truth. And there isn't love. That's just brutal. And, and kids don't need that. They, they need to see the love. They need to see the caring. They need to see the... I remember one time that I was going to get a spanking. I know you find it hard to believe that I would ever need one of those, but, but I did need one. And, and, uh, and I remember, I think it was my mom, but I remember saying, she's saying, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And I'm like, yeah, right it is. Um, I'm pretty sure that's not true. Um, I didn't understand what she was talking about. I do now. Um, I really understand it. Because the last thing that she wanted to do was have to do what she did. But she did it because she loved me. She did it because she cared. And discipline, discipline, even when it's hard, even when it's hard. Here's the last one. Be faithful, be faithful, be filled with faith, even when the world isn't. In verse 28, therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord and he, and he worshiped the Lord there. They gave their son. They yielded their son. They let him go. Even though it was going to be into an environment that they would struggle with, with, with uh, uh, the, these two sons of Eli, they still, they trusted the Lord and they were going to be faithful to what they promised that they would do. Um, do what you say you will do. Keep your promises. My word is my bond. Um, being a faithful parent. Even if the world isn't. If you raise your children to love the Lord Jesus Christ, you are going to face pressure. You're going to face all kinds of pressure from the world. The people say, why are you doing that? Why are you so closed? Why are you so narrow? Why are you so be faithful. Be faithful to God. Be faithful to his word. Be faithful to what you know is true. Be a person filled with character. Be a person filled with integrity in the way you do your business transactions, in, in the way you live out your life. I, I, I remember there was a purchase that we were going to make, and it was a $299 if I paid cash. It was $299 plus tax if I used my credit card because the person was just going to slip it into their money and they were going to, and I'm like, yeah, no, no, I'll, I'll do the right, I'm going to do the right thing. They looked at me like I was a goof, right? Who does that? Faithful people do that. 
And, and your kids watch that. Your kids see that. And they, they learn from that. We need to be people who are faithful in what we do. We need to be filled with character. We need to be filled with integrity. We need to be filled with faith, trusting God for what he will do. What, what do you mean you give 10% or more than 10% of your money to the church or to the Lord? What, what do you mean? How crazy is that? You, you be faithful and you watch how God works, how, how he takes care of you. Be faithful. Um, they were faithful in, in giving their son, and, and God would use him. Uh, God would use him in great ways for his glory. Well, so what? So what? Family foundations in 2021. Are we going to be people of God who are eyes fixed in worship, sacrificing what needs to be sacrificed for the glory of God in our lives, putting aside our priorities and yielding to what God has for us? Are we, are we going to be parents who are filled with prayer? Are we going to be surrendered to the will of God? Are we going to make the word of God our focus? Are we going to discipline our kids so that way, the way they live honors the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we going to be faithful? Are we going to be uh, filled with faith in this year as we love the Lord and serve him? even when it's unpopular, even when it hurts, even when your hope is running out, even when the cost seems too great, even when the word seems dry and you're not sure, even when it's hard, Lord, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna watch how you work for your fame and for your glory. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the illustration of of, um, these two and their walk with you. I think of Hannah and the struggles she faced in not having a child and all the pressure that was on her. And they see the things that they did, Lord. Would you teach us from the things they did? Would we do those kind of things so that we would honor you with our families? And Lord, would Jesus Christ be exalted? Would our families, would our lives be a picture that the world can see of the hope that there is in Jesus Christ? Do this work. Do it for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.